please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. folks yeah wicked listeners wicked listeners yes coin it done did it <laughs> did it all right well this week uh was good it was this past good this week was good but it was super busy it was super you were super bu- i was pretty busy too but you were well, i was real busy with a new dog a mm-hmm. puppy so yeah that kept me busy and we're it's almost like he's oh i think we said this in the last episode it's like having a newborn we we have to get up in the middle of the night and take him out and stuff like that mm-hmm. matt's been doing that primarily i'm just kind of well, you'll have your day soon i will yeah because we're getting another new puppy because we are gluttons for punishment <laughs> <We are. laughs> what are we talking about doing this for but we did it we did it it's done yep and then um some guys cut our cable line because they're out there help digging for our pool and and i work from home so mm-hmm. that wasn't good so i kind of i i got really like i was understanding until when I walked out there and said, did you guys cut my cable line? And the guy just kind of shrugs his shoulders like, well, yep, we did. There's nothing we can do about it. You're going to have to call your cable company. Like, no empathy, no care. I'm like, I work from home. I was pissed. So at that point, I got really rude with strangers in my backyard and then went inside and had to figure it out. But hey, the back... The outside TV, I got it all hooked up. So it yeah, was good. when we got the cable line fixed on Saturday, it was a blessing in disguise. We also got our back television stuff fixed up, so we've been putting that off for saying you know it's procrastination at its finest. Well, and then they well because of COVID, they sent us everything. They're like, here, hook it up, and I. But they didn't I really, turn it. But on. they didn't turn it on. And that didn't help. It, like, okay. So, so yeah. Yes, it was a blessing in disguise, but for two days I had to go and invade my brother's house use his wi-fi to do my job but it also kind of put us behind on our podcast this week because i didn't get to do any research but my sister helped me out on sunday and we threw this together this little gym that's right saturday we had a pretty good saturday yes i went to a gun show i didn't buy one gun Lies. i bought two yeah <laughs> you, bought, you bought more than one gun well you know i have to support my dad and his friend <laughs> Got one each from each one of them. I went to HorrorCon. Yeah, you did. And we dressed up. And I'm going to load those pictures to Instagram. And I got to meet Danielle Harris, who I loved since I was a kid. Because she was the little girl who played Jamie in the Halloween series. She's awesome. She was really sweet. 
Yeah. She, my wife got a creepy doll. I did. I bought a really wickedly creepy doll. It was, it's um, from Interview with the Vampire, the Claudia chick. But the the people who made this doll, she's porcelain. She's like, what, two feet? Yeah. Tall. Probably two feet, a little over that. They put real scissors in her hands, and in another hand, they put a piece of her hair. So it's like that scene from the movie when she tries to cut her hair, throw in a fit, and it all grows back. Like, she's really cool looking. Yeah, it is. It is cool, but creepy cool. Creepy cool. <laughs> it is. I might post pictures of her too on my Instagram just yeah. to show you guys the makeup my sister did on us. We look like zombies, and and then I bought the creepy cool doll and right. It was just, it was fun. And I actually ran into some old friends from high school, too, who were there, which was really weird because we haven't seen each other in years. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah. At least if it's people you do want to run into. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, I was totally cool with it. I mean, one of them we planned to meet there. Well, actually, kind of planned both of them because one of them said that she was going with her mom, and we didn't see her the whole time till we were about to leave. Oh, okay. But the other one, yeah. And we, then it was like Sunday was mad research day. Yes. Because typically we don't do stuff like that. We'll look and read and research throughout the week, but but no internet kind of kind of messed things jacks up everything a little bit. up. But here we are. We we did this. We did or this. You did it. <laughs> I'm just hanging out. I did this with my sister. We did some <laughs> research on this together and, and can't take props for that. Yeah. So anyway, we we decided this week we were going to kind of steer away from the whole murder thing for a week and and bring you guys something that's really creepy. It's a unsolved case that when my sister was telling me about it, I was like, that sounds really cool. But it's a... It's been in the news. It's been on Unsolved Mysteries. There's several podcasts out there about it, and and Netflix is making a documentary about it. I don't think it's out yet. My sister and I tried to find it. We couldn't, but you could see online where they were talking about it. So it's it's going to be cool to, to see that coming soon. And today's episode is about The Watcher in New Jersey. So if you guys have heard of this before, now you know. What I'm I hadn't heard of it creepy. at all. Did, have you heard of it before? I had. After we started researching oh. it, I realized that I have heard it. Yeah. But I don't know where I heard it. It could have been a blurf on a news channel or right. something like that. But um, I didn't know all the details until we started researching There's a it. lot of details. Yeah. The devil <laughs> is in the details. The devil's in the details. So in June of 2014, Derek and Maria brought us had just closed on their dream house in Westfield, New Jersey. It was a six-bedroom home on 657 Boulevard. Maria had grown up in Westfield, New Jersey, and this new home was only a few miles from her childhood home. And at the time, they also lived in Westfield in a whole other home that they were selling. So Derek, he grew up in a working-class family in Maine, moved to Manhattan, New York, where he worked his way up in an insurance company to become the senior vice president of the company, earning a salary large enough to afford the $1.3 million home. This home they bought was super expensive. The family had purchased the home shortly after Derek's 40th birthday, and they were really excited to move in. They had three kids and were doing minor renovations to the property prior to moving in. Derek was at the property painting three days after closing on the house, And he decided to check the mail before he finished for the evening. He had a couple of bills in the mailbox, but also a letter 
in a white card-shaped envelope. He opened the letter and it read, quote, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. So, so far, you know, then he's thinking, oh, cool. You know, yeah, we're getting this a is nice. nice neighborly letter from somebody. Mm-hmm. But then it started going, how did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call you to call to you with its force within? It also said, quote, 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. End quote. That's strange. That's creepy. That gave me like <clears throat> some little bit yes. of goosebumps. So, Which is pretty wild and pretty neat, though. I mean, it's creepy and it's not cool. But mm-hmm. wild, like I've had these, it's a family passing that we watched this house. Yes. Yeah. If that were true. If even. it's true. I mean, no. Great again, story it's fabrication, un- if not. it's Whoever, neat. I mean, if it's not true, if this watcher person Good is job. not true, like whoever came up with it, yeah. Yeah, you got me going. I mean, you. this is movie action already well i think they tried to they did make movies based on the storyline or something like that eventually Mm -hmm. but so the letter identified the broaddus's honda minivan as well as the workers renovating the home and it said quote i see already that you have flooded 657 boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be tisk 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 bad move Mm. you don't want to make 657 boulevard unhappy which that's like what yeah so earlier in the week though derek and maria had gone to the house they had chatted with some new neighbors while their you know their kids were playing um their kids who were like five eight and ten years old they ran around the backyard playing with some other kids from the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and the letter writer seemed to know that and wrote in the letter he said quote you have children i've seen them so far i think there are three that i've counted any he or she they don't know who also asked if there was, quote, more more on the way. It's like, are you going to have more kids? Yeah. Wow. That's not your business. No. <laughs> but it said, quote, do you need to fill the house with young with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Wow. Like, at this point. I'd be I, like, what the heck? Going yeah, on. I don't even know how I feel about it. I don't I know if they're serious it. or I laugh about this. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And the, the envelope didn't have a return address on it. The person wrote, you know, in the letter, quote, Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one of those. Look out. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Wow. Yes. That's pretty. And then the letter ended with the quote, welcome, my friends, welcome, let the party begin. And it was signed with cursive type, simply quote, the watcher. And this was an implication that they would, they would see more letters Mm -hmm. in the future because he's like, let, let the party begin. Yeah. Let's get this going. I, I think, I would have reacted the same way they did. Just going to say that right now. Yeah. So since it was to after 10 p.m. and Derek was there alone, he was kind of creeped out. He 
raced around the house, turning off all the lights so no one could see inside. And then he called the police department. And an officer came and read the letter, and his reaction was, quote, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I think I would have said that, yeah. too. <laughs> he began asking Derek if he had any enemies and things like that and recommended that he move a piece of construction equipment that was on the back porch somewhere else in case the watcher tried to throw it through a window or, or vandalize the property. So Derek did that. He moved the equipment, and then he went home. Mm-hmm. And they were they were still living in their old home somewhere in Westfield. Yeah. And that night, Derek and Maria sent an email to John and Andrea Woods, who were the people who sold the home to them, to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why they had written the letter and said, quote, I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. So apparently. That's wild. Yeah. What? That was, yeah. That was in the first letter also. Okay. So they received a, an email reply the next morning from Andrea Woods saying that a few days before they moved out, they also received a letter from the watcher. But she said the note had been odd and it, it had made similar mention of the watcher's family or observing the house over time. Mm-hmm. But Andrea said she and her husband had never received anything like it in the 23 years that they lived in the house. And they threw the letter away without thinking too much about it. And then that day... They went with Maria to the police station with where Detective Leonard Lugo told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors. Most of them she had never met, but now they were all considered suspects mm-hmm. for harassment or whatever. Yeah. And after this, they were really hyper aware of what was happening around them. It it's it scared the crap out yeah, of them. So of course. You know, Derek canceled a work trip and when Maria would take the kids to their new house, she would yell their names if they wandered out of sight. And at one point, when Derek was giving a tour of the renovations to a couple who lived on the block, he was surprised when the wife said, quote, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood, end quote. Yeah. Like, like that is would that just a make coincidence? You like, what? Or, yeah. Like, also, the general contractor who was doing the renovations arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign that he had hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight which he thought was weird. Yeah. And two weeks after the first letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and immediately called the police. So they got their second letter. Mm-hmm. And the letter said, quote, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. End quote. What the heck? I know. <laughs> so this time, they, you know, it was scarier than before. And the watcher actually addressed Derek and Maria directly, misspelling their last name, though. Like, he spelled it weird. Okay. The watcher boasted about having learned a lot about the family in the previous weeks, especially about their children. And the letter identified their three kids by birth order and by their nicknames, the ones Maria had been yelling when they were at the house. Okay. And the letter said, quote, I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. It said, you certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one of the children specifically. The watcher had seen the child using an easel on an enclosed porch and asked, quote, is she the artist in the family? Like, now you're spying on my yeah. kids. Well, and the thing is, like, when he says, have you have they found what's in the walls yet? That leads me to believe, like, what if it were 
like set up speakers, microphone type stuff, oh. surveillance. Jeez. In that, the walls. That's creepy. But you know, like. Being able to hear and know I, what's going on. I think in one of the articles, and I might mention it later on, but I think in one of the articles that I was reading, it had said that they had an inspector go through the house who did, who used some kind of radar or something like that mm-hmm. and actually mm-hmm. did a thorough inspection of the house. So he saw inside the walls and said it was nothing unusual. Like yeah. it's normal stuff. Some normal studs with electric wire right. running through. and Yeah. So this person just sounds like they are just trying to creep people out. Yeah. But the letter continued, the second letter continued saying, quote, 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Whoa. Like, no. I wouldn't I wouldn't mm-hmm. move in. Mm-hmm. And they didn't either. And at this point, Derek and Maria stopped even bringing their kids to the house. They weren't they weren't sure like if they were gonna move in. Here it was still iffy, but they they, yeah. they eventually decided not to. Several weeks yeah. It seems like with something like that, there was like a clause where you could default from your loan because of the but situation. there wasn't like they were wrapped in. They, I know, but man, it seems like know. there should be something out there that, I mean, it's hard to say you can't because who could be doing this? What if it was them making it up? Just like we got to get out of this house deal. We can't afford this. Well, or, and that's one of the theories that that we'll talk about later. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there there could have been anything. But several weeks after they got the second letter, they got their third one, and it says, "Quote: Where have you gone to?" The watcher wrote, quote, 657 Boulevard is missing you. Like they're like, because they stopped coming around. Yeah. And they're not moving in mm-hmm. because this watcher dude is sending creepy ass letters. So many of the Westfield residents compare their town to Mayberry. They they basically it's it's this very welcoming, inviting, friendly town to live in. Mm-hmm. It's considered very safe. It's about 50, 45 minutes from New York. And it has about 30,000 residents, all largely well-to-do families, known as old money, too, that mm-hmm. specifically. Okay. So this town, because of its old money and stuff, it has a lot of ego. And the house that they bought was on Boulevard, which was highly sought-after street. Everybody uh, wants to live on Boulevard. Okay. So I, I guess that's the place to live. Mm-hmm. And the house was built in 1905, and it was considered to be the grandest home on the block. So when the Woodses put it on the market, they received multiple offers above their asking price. That led the Broadduses to initially suspect that the watcher might be someone upset over losing out on the house. 
But the Woodses said one interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical diagnosis, while another one had already found a different home. And in okay. yeah, and in an email to the Broadduses, Andrea Woods proposed another theory, saying, "Quote." Would the mention of the contractor's trucks and your children suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood? Mm-hmm. So maybe old money didn't want new money. Right. Which, I mean, I guess Yeah, could. we don't want you fixing everything up and making changes so much. Right, right. Yeah, that. what are you renovating? What are you yeah. doing? But the letters did indicate close proximity to oh, the home. Oh, yeah. It seems. It's just they, they knew too much about what was going on. Mm-hmm. And they were able to determine that the letters had been processed in Kearney, the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in northern New Jersey. And the first was postmarked June 4th before the sale went, went public, even. Like, it hadn't even gone. Like, when they put it on the market, the, the Woodses, mm-hmm. apparently they didn't actually ever put a for sale sign up or anything like that. It, it, it went that quick. Yeah. Word of mouth. It's going wow. on the market, and it sold. Only a day after the constru- the contractors arrived was when the first letter was postmarked so it was like really weird timing Mm -hmm. somebody in in the know knew yeah to start sending these letters strange which just adds more mystery to it yeah it does and the renovations were mostly interior so the people live living nearby they didn't notice anything unusual like they weren't really doing any exterior renovations just interior Mm -hmm. painting things like that wallpaper yeah um and when derek and maria talked to Detective Lugo or walked Detective Lugo around the house, they showed him the easel on the porch and that it was hidden from the street by vegetation, making it difficult to see unless someone was behind the house or right next door, which is even more weird. Yeah. Because they said they saw a kid painting. A few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another new homeowner to the block. The Broadduses hadn't told anyone about the watcher, as the police had instructed them not to, and they found themselves scanning the party for clues while keeping tabs on their kids. Right. Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, I would would be paranoid, and I'd be doing the same thing. Oh, of course. At one point, Derek was chatting with John Smith, who lived two doors down, when, when John told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. So Peggy Lankford was in her 90s and several of her adult children all in their 60s lived with her, which I find strange. But if it's a big home True. like that, yeah, and it's a family home, maybe. It's not as much. Yeah, it's not as strange uh-huh. as what you would think. He was told that the family was odd, but harmless. Okay. So Derek, at this point, is thinking case was solved. You know, like, these are the people dropping this letter in my Probably, mailbox. Probably, yeah. And they were right next door, right next to the easel on the porch. Like, you could see it from yeah, their, from their home. They, got the, they have a view of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And the family had lived there since the 1960s, which is when the letter said the watcher's father had begun to observe the 657 Boulevard. His grandfather from the 1920s, but mm-hmm. his father from the 1960s. 60s, right. So... Richard Langford, the family patriarch, he had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for, quote, the better part of two decade, decades. Yeah. So that all lines up, and I think he might have been on to something as, mm-hmm. you know, with that. For sure. When the Broadduses told Lugo about the family, he said he already knew, and a week after the first letter arrived, he had brought Michael Langford to police headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Broadduses say that Lugo told them that the narrative of what he said matched things mentioned in the letters. And 
the guy mm-hmm. was quoted to say, this isn't CSI Westfield, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like trying to make a joke. But there there wasn't much hard evidence. And after a few weeks, the police chief told the Broadduses that short of an admission, there wasn't anything they could do. Okay. And Derek said, quote, this is someone who threatened my kids. And the police are saying probably nothing's going to happen. Probably isn't good enough for me. And after the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, they would have a different kind of case on their hands. I think he was implying that he was going to hurt somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like, but could you imagine that kind of stress? I'd, right. I'd probably feel that way, too. Well, you're on edge. And yeah. Like you said, you're watching everything. You're looking over your shoulder. Yes, because you you're getting creepy-ass you, letters. If, if you know the wife's at the house and you haven't got home from work, you're already on. You're thinking about that while you can't focus on your well, job. How are you supposed to let your kids have a social life? And oh, have ki- other yeah. kids over to play and right. things like that. Like you'd mm-hmm. be too paranoid. Or sure. say one of the kids wants to go to his friend's house down the street and he just leaves like mm-hmm. to walk to their friend's house. Like it just, yeah, I would be too paranoid. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to relax. No. So they, you know, the family was really, really frustrated and just, they kind of began their own investigation. And it was said that Derek became really obsessed with it. He set up webcams in 657 Boulevard and spent nights crouched in the dark watching to see if anyone was watching the house at close range. He said his wife thought he was going crazy. (laughs) He had a map displaying when each of 657's neighbors had moved in. The Langfords were the only ones there since the 60s with overlays marking possible sight lines for the easel and a circle of the approximate range of earshot to estimate who might have heard Maria yelling their kid's name. And only a few homes fit that, those okay. both criteria. So before we get there, are you going to tell me that the watcher knew he was doing these things too? No, I know it does. I don't think it doesn't so. talk about. No. Because then you're like, whoa. What? Yeah. <laughs> so the Broadduses also turned to several experts. They employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks for the Langfords on the Langfords, but didn't, find anything noteworthy. Derek reached out to a former FBI agent who served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling in the Silence of the Lambs, which I think is very cool. They they went yeah. to high school together and said, Oh wow. Or or no, they didn't go to high school together. They were on a high school board of trustees together or okay. something like that. But they knew each other. Yeah. <laughs> and he also um hired Robert Linehan, another former FBI agent, to conduct a threat and assessment. Mm-hmm. You know, see if they were actually anything to be worried about. Yeah. Linehan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer, and the envelope was addressed to, addressed to M. M. Bradis. The salutations included the day's weather, warm and humid, sunny and cool for a summer day, and sentences had double spaces between them. The letters had a certain literary panache which suggested a voracious reader, someone who read a lot, you know, okay, and a surprising lack of profanity given the level of anger that was shown in some of the letters. Mm-hmm. So he thought it was it was much like it's not likely a, a man who was writing them. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I know, right? Ooh. <laughs> Woman. Spicy. <laughs> so he also didn't think the watcher was likely to act on any of the threats, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain kind of like erratic. Yeah, behavior. Mhm. The first, like, for example, the first letter was dated Tuesday, June 4th, but that day was actually a Wednesday. And there was also a seething anger directed at the wealthy in particular. Like, there was a lot of 
greed implications, mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that. And the watcher was upset by new money moving into town, saying in one letter, quote, are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? And by the Broaddus's relatively modest renovations, a letter said, quote, the house is crying from all the pain it's going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It's It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died and now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Like it almost sounds like yeah. someone might have lived as servants there too based on this letter. True. Or I was thinking what if it was the neighbors? You know, they're in their 60s and when he was a young child. Yeah. Cuz his mean, next door neighbors and and the families and they come that over lived and play back and, in the day. Yeah. I mean, that's possible too. I mm-hmm. mean, it, but neighbors this guy was he said that he recommended they look into former housekeepers or the descendants of the people who lived there in the mm-hmm. 60s that kind of stuff um that he said there's an offhand chance that the watcher was jealous that the broadduses had bought a home that the watcher couldn't afford yeah and maybe it meant a lot to mm-hmm. him you know but the focus remained on the neighbors the langfords and in cooperation with the police, the Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to get a response, but they didn't get anything. And Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for a second interview, but got nowhere. And his sister, Abby, accused the police of harassing their family, which I think I would, too. You don't have anything against this. You don't have any any admission. You don't have any evidence that my brother is sending these harassing letters. You interviewed him once, okay. Yeah. But to bring him in a second time, on what grounds? Like, I think I'd get defensive too if I was Miss Abby. But eventually, the Broadduses hired Lee Levitt, a lawyer, who met with several members of the Langford family, as well as their attorney, to show them the letters, along with photos explaining how their home was one of of the few vantage points from which the easel could be seen. Mm -hmm. Just to show why they were pointing fingers at them. Right. And Levitt said the meeting grew tense and the Langfords insisted that Michael was innocent. One night, Derek had this weird dream where he confronted Peggy, the eldest Langford, and demanded that she build an eight-foot fence between the properties. <laughs> <laughs> like, they threw, like, I threw that in there because I thought that was interesting. I'm like, you know, now you're even messing with these people's sleep. Yeah. They're even now dreaming about it. Oh, yeah. So you're not just... Living in fear while awake and looking over your shoulder and watching your kids and family closely. You're now dreaming about Mm -hmm. this crap. Mm -hmm. Maria was also having dreams, but different. One night she woke up to an especially vivid one about a man who lived nearby. She said, quote, he was wearing these boots and carrying a pitchfork and calling to the kids and I couldn't get to them in time. She thought almost anyone could be the watcher. She was really freaked out. She was stressed. So... She became so paranoid that she would watch the faces of shoppers at the grocery stores just to see if they looked at her and the kids in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine oh, living yeah. your life like that? Yeah, no. And she she would spend hours Googling anyone who she thought was suspicious. You know, just, just oh, you me, looked at me, me weird. Let me go detective here on this one. Yeah. Just trying to figure it out. It would freak me out yeah. too, but I don't know if I would start going that in depth. 
But there were reasons that to consider other suspects besides the Langfords. For one thing, the police spoke to Michael before the second letter was sent, which would make sending two more letters seem pretty stupid, you know, after the first one, and now you're sent yeah. a couple more. Then there was the rest of the neighborhood to consider. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks. Bill Woodward, the Broaddus' house painter, also noticed that the couple behind 657 Boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs close to the property line. And he said one day, he said, quote, One day I was looking out the window and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs. He wasn't facing his house. He was facing the Broaddus's. No, that's weird. Yeah. Why are you going to look at someone's backyard? Yeah. That's just. That's just creepy. Yeah. But by the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, and no way to place somebody at the scene of the crime that, you know, could have been hatched from pretty much any mailbox in northern New Jersey. Mm-hmm. The letters could be read closely for possible clues or dismissed as the nonsensical ramblings of a sociopath. Scott Kraus, who helped investigate the case for the Union County Prosecutor's Office, said, quote, it was like trying to find a needle in a haystack, which it would be. Oh, yeah. But by December, the police told the Broadduses that they'd run out of options. And Derek showed the letters to his priest who agreed to bless the house. So now he's like, I got to I got to have someone come into my house. Maybe it's haunted. Yeah. Maybe maybe the house is doing this. Like, right. You're going crazy. You just. Yeah. Um, well, you're pulling out every stop. You're right. Just, Let me figure this out. Yeah. Let me do anything, everything to get this. Get some peace. Peace and, mm-hmm. and move on with my life. So the renovations of 657 Boulevard included a new alarm system were finished within a few months of of them closing. Mm-hmm. But the idea of moving in was overwhelming. So they couldn't they didn't they just full of anxiety. They didn't know if like I'd said earlier if they could even let their kids have friends over to play. Yeah. So they ended up moving in with Maria's parents instead. They they just they were like, we're not, we're not gonna do move into this house. We're we already sold our home. We're gonna stay with Maria's parents while we pay the mortgage on this until we figure out what we're gonna do. Yeah. So they, yeah, and they kept up the house too. Like he would go over, he would mow the lawn, he would clean up gutters, mm-hmm. he would do all that do kind what of he stuff. Needed to do. Yeah, and and he only told a few people, a few of close friends or whatever, about the letters and and the harassment, but he didn't really talk about it much to anyone other than his attorney mm-hmm. and people started wondering if they the couple the Broadduses, were having marital problems they were fighting more but think of the stress I think that of you're the stress under. I think that's what yeah, yeah. causing all that yeah so I mean yes they were they were fighting more often Derek was depressed Maria's seeing a therapist because she goes to a routine doctor's appointment and bursts into tears when the doctor's like, so how are you today? You like, mm-hmm. they always do. Mm-hmm. So she starts seeing a therapist and the therapist says she's suffering pr- from post-traumatic stress. Oh yeah. From, and, and it wouldn't go away till they got rid of the house. Yeah. You know, cause that was where her stress was from. For sure. So six months after the letters came, the Broadduses decided to sell it. They initially listed it for more than they paid to reflect the renovations that they'd done, which is normal, right? Mm-hmm. But every, gossip had turned, every, everyone knew what was going on. Really? So now no one wants to, like, there were rumors about this place and the watcher letters and all that kind of stuff. So no one wanted to buy it for what they were asking. And 
they even had like at one broker emailed them to say her client loved it but there are so many unsubstantiated rumors flying around ranging from sexual predators to stalkers that they needed to know more yeah you know why like i get you have to disclose if someone dies in a home or something like that but but for harassment for harassing letters Mm -hmm. do you really have to disclose that Mm -hmm. i don't know but these rumors screwed him screwed him that's crazy how things i mean it's a smaller town and even a smaller niche in certain pockets. Right. But how that all gets around. So fast, too. Yeah, it's crazy. Like everybody knew. And the thing was, though, like, I, if if this was happening to us, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't disclose it. I'd be like, you don't need to see the letters. You don't need, just know that we need to sell the house. We're not comfortable moving in there. But if you're willing to move in, knowing the rumors or hearing the rumors, if you're really interested in the house, then maybe we can talk at closing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to just appease your gossipy appetite. Yeah. But they, I guess they didn't feel that way. They, like, Derek was like, I wouldn't want someone, I wouldn't have bought, I don't know how I would have felt if they, if the Woodses had told me about the letter they received before we closed on the house. Yeah. And I can kind of see that point, but I don't know if I feel the same way. What do you mean? I'd probably be like, whatever, I'm selling my house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry. You bought it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the Broadduses felt the name alone was ominous enough to merit mentioning to a new family moving in. And on June 2nd, 2015, a year after buying it, they filed a legal complaint against the Woodses, arguing that the Woodses should have disclosed the letter just as they had the fact that the that water sometimes got in the basement. That's how they felt about it. Mm-hmm. But... They didn't end up winning that lawsuit. Yeah. And this went like everywhere. Like it, it, the story went crazy. Tamron Hall said on the Today Show, we do some creepy stories. This might be top 10 creepy. A mm. local reporter found a complaint which included snippets of the watchers menacing threats. And after a belated attempt by the Broadduses to seal it, the story went viral. News trucks camped out at 657 Boulevard, and one local reporter set up a lawn chair to conduct his own watch. <laughs> right? Wow. The Broadus has got more than 300 media requests, but with advice from a crisis management consultant referred to referred by one of Derek's colleagues, they decided not to speak pub- publicly to spare their kids even more attention. Sure. So they ended up leaving Westfield. They need to do a book deal. Just do the book deal Just do that it. pays for the house, right? Because it's a bestseller. You definitely have all the, I mean, the marketing and right. It's right there. It's all done for you already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they leave town to get away from everything that's going on, and they go to a friend's beach house. But even with this move, they didn't get any peace. Maria's grandfather had a heart attack while they were gone, and oh, no. the friend that they were actually staying with ended up having a grand mal seizure. So, oh, like, they just kind of get away from the chaos. And when yeah. it rains, it pours, right? Mm-hmm. So they eventually have to sit down and explain to their kids why they didn't move into their new house. Yeah. And why they're living with Nana and Papa. And, right. And, like, uh, we got this big new house over here. And why aren't we, we did all these renovations. In? Yeah, we've been there. Why aren't we moving? Yeah. You know, well, we're not moving because crazy people. So the Watcher was a real-life mystery to solve. A commenter on NewJersey.com Suggested ground-penetrating radar, which we talked about before, but this is where the home home inspector said that he had done that. 
Yeah. And the only issue that he noticed was a home, the home's lack of insulation. Sure. It's old. Yeah. And so because of all the media attention, there's people on chat rooms and um, articles and stuff. You know how you can mm-hmm. reply and give your thoughts or whatever on a on a you know like on this podcast we we can have we have people who can comment and rate us and all that kind of stuff sure so you have people with their their thoughts and opinions and some of them are wow these poor people you know very empathetic sympathetic and some are like they're just doing it to draw attention to themselves yeah they are the perpetrators of this like you said earlier Mm -hmm. this started people started spreading rumor that maybe they couldn't afford the house it got in too deep or whatever yeah and so now their reputation is being ruined right. on top of it all. Which is horrible. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's terrible. And even the mayor is involved making public comments about it. Like, even the mayor. Like, public comments in a bad way? Or? Well, just, you know, saying, like, the watcher hasn't been heard from in a year, and police hadn't solved the case, and the, the um, investigation had been thorough. So he kind of agreed that they were... Mm-hmm. doing this themselves oh. but that doesn't make sense because before they even closed on the house mm-hmm. the people who lived there before got a letter yeah. that they threw away well we haven't gotten there did the watcher start back up again on anything Shh. <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there okay so the neighbors were like after the the mayor says his comment about they'd done a thorough investigation the neighbors are like we never heard from the cops. They never came and talked to us. Yeah. So some of the neighbors are in support of the Broadduses. They're like, they're victims. They didn't get the support they needed. The The police didn't do what they should have done. Other neighbors don't disagree, but, you know, whatever. So they found out, too, that Michael Langford, the, the guy who had, you know, lived next door and who the police had interviewed a few times, he had, was a diagnosed schizophrenic. And he did have some odd behaviors, but no one in the neighborhood said that he was ever violent and he wouldn't, they didn't, they couldn't imagine him writing those letters. So everybody kind of ruled them out right. along with the police. And the Broadduses felt like they had been abandoned. They, they felt, you know, like, like there, no one was even trying to help them. So mm-hmm. they file civil suits against the Langfords and if, if the watcher, I think, is even listed in there because they didn't have a name for this person or whatever. AKA <laughs> the watcher. Yeah, right. So, but they they end up losing the suit. Nothing came of that. Sure. But how, you know, how would there's you win nothing, that? Yeah, there's nothing there. Right. I, I mean, I'm surprised the lawyer didn't well, tell them. Well, and I don't know if they were doing it maybe so something would come out. Maybe, maybe. So that was the motivation the for motivation it. But that cost it. so much money. But if you think about it, the Broadduses are already out tons of money anyway. They've got a $1.3 million mortgage. They've got all this money invested in renovations. They've also got, from the watchers, threats, threatening letters and stuff. They've got security systems and cameras and um, private investigators and things like that that they're having to hire. This is not... um, This has not been cheap for them. So that's another reason why I lean towards they didn't do this to themselves. Who the hell is going to do that to themselves? Oh, yeah. Spend all this money. Like, not to get out of a house. Like, you're... Right. That, that's a lot. Yes. You're, like, you're not going to screw yourself up more. That'd and be stupid. The, the stress and... Right. The putting yourself out. And, right. And, and you're not... You're no. living with friends or 
family members and no. Right. I really think this watcher is a real person. Yeah. But the Broadduses started their own investigation again because they weren't getting anywhere with police or anything. And they would walk the blocks, you know, and show pictures of the watcher's handwriting on an envelope and things like that with neighborhood and try to or with neighbors and try to get someone, you know, oh, that looks familiar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they they did have a neighbor across the street. They had hired his security um, firm and a company to look at the handwriting matches. They didn't find anything, but they did find a neighbor had received something a few years later in the mail. A totally different neighbor from the watcher. Really? Which is kind of interesting. That is interesting. But they did find out that the cops had done DNA samples off of the letters that were written. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is when they found out that it was female DNA. Whoa. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. I know, right? Because you don't think females are this crazy. Yeah. yeah. We're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they were also, they were sitting in a, at the one night, a couple of the investigators were sitting in a van parked on the boulevard watching the house with a pair of binoculars. And around 11 p.m., this car stops in front of the house long enough for them to get suspicious suspicious of what's going on he says he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657 the woman told the investigator that her boyfriend was into some really dark video games including one in which he was playing a specific character called the watcher Mm -hmm. Um, as for the female dna though the investigator confirmed that the girlfriend it wasn't him or her and it wasn't the boyfriend okay but still yeah you know they had had something there right for a minute so the Broadduses, though, they're still stressed out. They're they're trying to... Did they test their DNA, the family's DNA, they to did. see if it matched up with any... Okay. They did, yep. But um, the story about this became like an urban legend in their town mm-hmm. at, by this point. So yeah. things are starting to die down. It's been a couple of years. It was one of those houses, like, your kid, the kids are like, ooh, there's 657 Boulevard. Oh, you know, like yeah. Monster oh, House. Like, sure. don't step on the lawn, right? Right. So... The neighbors were kind of freaked out by the, they were worried about their property values, mm-hmm. things like that, um, and the rumors. But there were the theories coming from the neighbors were that they had suffered from buyer's remorse, which we already talked about. They had found that they had went from a $315,000 home to a $770,000 home to a $1.3 million home. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. were like, and and there were some documents where they showed that the the Bradises had refinanced their mortgage on two of those their first two homes, right? Yeah. Which people do. Oh, that's yeah. not an unusual no, thing. But no. they they were insistent that this is what was motive. Like they ran over their heads, right? Yeah. And and Derek was quoted to say, "How does someone go from a three hundred thousand dollar house to a one point three million dollar house in ten years?" Hmm, I don't know. It's America. Right. But he's not wrong. No. Well, he was working his way up and he's yes, done well. And he became for a senior vice president of an insurance company. Yeah. Um and he could have had the salary good. to afford it. Yeah. So I think that people are well, stupid too, and the to equity be like, in their own homes at that time. Right. It might have, the market might have been just phenomenal for that, them. That and and let's just be let's keep keep be realistic here. Like not everyone is trying to finance their way to fame or something you know like you are a lot of people will actually live within their means Mm -hmm. 
maybe slightly above. But either way, they probably, if they got financed for it, then they could afford it. Right. That's just my take on it. The Broadduses didn't know their neighbors, and they didn't know how they were going to react about the the watcher, though. But they're trying to find a way to get out of of this house. Yeah. They can't sell it. Mm-hmm. No, no, there's no takers or anything like that. So they tried to like they looked at some other options. Like one option was to rent it to like a halfway house or something. So for so, you know, like people getting out of jail and oh, transitioning would back love into that society. In their neighborhood. Right. They looked at that option. They also looked at they talked about splitting the lot. Um and and trying to get, you know, they would tear down the house, split the lot, yeah. build two separate homes. Right. And go from there. Okay. So they had this big board planning board meeting about it where lawyers came, the neighbors came, stuff like that. And they they presented this idea. And apparently this wasn't an unusual thing. People did this. Yeah. But they denied that their thing, saying the lots were too small. Mm-hmm. But then a couple of years after they denied their request, someone else got theirs approved and there was their lot was divided and it was even smaller than their original lots would have been. Wow. Right. Okay. Stupid. So they really felt like the town was ganging up on them too. Yeah. yeah. So they're feeling really abused. Yeah. But, I have a bad taste in your mouth from all this. Right? I and and what a horrible just and their reputations are ruined. Mm-hmm. Like they've been drugged through the mud. They're accused of making this up on, bringing this on themselves, sure. things like that. She doesn't want to move. He wants to move. He's like, let's get out of this town. She's like, nope, we're gonna stay. I grew up here. I love this community. I don't well, know. Too, she I, grew up there. Like she has to know well, a lot of people think, there in that size of a town. Well, and you would think people would actually know her and right. not be treating her like this. That's but what, apparently, that's. What, that's yeah. Well, what kind of person was she, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. That's what I was kind of thinking. I don't know. Hopefully. I would have to think, though, the way she cares about her kids and stuff like that, like, all right. I think this watcher guy is just ruining some lives. <laughs> yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe not even meaning to go that far, just being creepy and having some fun, but right. it's like, whoa, I didn't mean to. Well, in the end, they can't do, they can't divide the property and tear the house down. They can't rent it to... Um, a halfway house or a VA or whatever, mm-hmm. they rent it to actual renters, and they have they disclose everything. And the renter that they get to rent agrees to rent from them, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, I I don't mind." And if I get another letter, though, let's put a clause in there that if I get spooked, I can move out. And they're like, "Okay, we'll do that." Sure. So they rent the house. Okay. The house. That's fair. And they rent it for less than what their monthly mortgage is. Just to but get something. Something. Out of it. Right. Yeah. So. Derek, while the renter's there, he goes over to 657 to deal with some squirrels that had taken up residence in the roof. Mm-hmm. And the renter hands him an envelope that had just arrived. Okay. So weird. It says, you wonder who the watcher is. Turn around, idiots. And then it says, maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. The letter... They came was from the watcher again, as you could tell. And the letter it was stylish and more wrathful than the others, and it's it seemed that the writer was cl- like following the story very closely. Yeah, everything mm. that was going on, the media coverage, all of it, and it says 
Quote, I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched you. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an, in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. And the attempt to tear down the house, 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and, strong, and stood strong with its army of supporting supporters bar, barricading its gates. Hmm. It said, my soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. The renter was mentioned. He was spooked, but agreed to stay as, as long as the Broadduses installed cameras. But he did m- mention the renter. And the letter indicated revenge could come in some in many forms, saying, quote, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Phones break. Wow. So this gave fresh evidence to help the investigation, Mm -hmm. but still got them nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. So they continue to press their case, continue to try and get law enforcement to do something. Try, you know, they, they would still walk the streets Knowing that it has to be someone from the neighborhood is what they're thinking. They they have a new tenant, and their kids are occasionally teased at school. The, the conspiratorial rumors persist. They try to avoid people who spoke out against their planning board application and accuse them of being con artists, but suburban life made that impossible for them. And like I said before, the Broadduses weren't allowed to split their lot, but the board approved splitting the lot around the corner. Yeah. Which, and it had a larger exception than the Broadduses needed. So they really felt like they, they really felt like the town was ganging up on them to keep this house. Yeah. And to keep them out of it. The so, house was alive. <laughs> right? <laughs> the house spoke. Well, they said that, that people in Westfield Rarely thought of the watch. They rarely think about the watcher anymore. Real estate market's fine, and they're surprised to find out that the Broadduses are still dealing with this problem. Like many people in in the area, are surprised that it's it's still an ongoing thing. Derek and Maria wondered if they should have sold the house at a loss early on. But did you look up the house? I did. Did you Zillow it? No, but it, <laughs> but I think Sam did, and it's yeah. like on the market for nine hundred and something thousand wow. now. Yeah, still a loss. But they're hoping that um, renting the place will help them sell it. People can be like, yeah, we live here and it's peaceful. Or right. Whatever. No issues. Right. Makes but sense. The watcher has n- never been caught. They don't have any hope that he or she ever will be caught. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they aren't the only people sending or receiving anonymous letters. So I think I mentioned this earlier. The watcher sent... On Christmas Eve, sent several families an envelope to their mailboxes in that area, and they were delivered by hand Mm -hmm. to the homes. Mm -hmm. Another family who got the letter told me it was weirdly poetic, as the watcher had been, and as the watchers had been, and that it accused the families of speculating inaccurately about the Broadduses. It included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed. The typed letters were signed, Friends of the Broadest Family. 
<laughs> so now this watcher is sending random letters to neighbors and siding with the Broadduses. Yeah. Which is strange, right? That is strange. But that's about, you know, that's about it. That's about all I have. Well, that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, just imagine you get into your new home and three days in, you're getting a letter and all holy hell starts breaking loose. Yes. It's crazy. It was. I mean, I couldn't even imagine being these people. Mm-mm. I'd be scared, too. I wouldn't want to move in. You never know. Yeah. But anyway, of course, you can, you know, there's a lot of theories out there. People can have their own conclusions and what they think is going on Absolutely. with some of the story. And you can dive in, too other you know our listeners dive in and kind of yeah read up on it and figure out and see what you think yeah why not i mean it's an interesting story it's spooky as hell though like they never caught whoever was doing this whoever was harassing them and and like just to to play that you know mind game or whatever to someone that you don't know Mm -hmm. is is that's enough yeah to scare the shit out of someone right I wouldn't move into the house either. Mm-mm. But, you know, if you guys hear any theories or want to share any, contact us at Wickedness True Crime at yahoo.com. Also, check us out at our website at Wickedness True Crime and the unknown.com. And follow us on Instagram at Wickedness True Crime. And follow us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness, where you can support us if you want to by clicking on that support button. And last but not least, please rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to our pack, our podcast on so we can reach out to more listeners. As always, thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week. Bye. Bye.